Welcome to the Manager Tools Members Only Podcast for October 2006. Once again, we're barely getting this one out in time to call it an October cast, but I think you'll find it worth the wait. This month, Mark and I want to share a cast from our upcoming Interviewing Techniques podcast. This particular cast is one out of about 14 casts on interviewing. In today's show, you learn how to handle the crucial first five to 10 minutes of any interview, introductions. It's absolutely true that this is a critical part of the interview. First impressions are being formed, and I bet 75% of interviewers have a strong indication of how it's going to go by the time this particular portion is done. That translates into our gut feeling that this is where 75% of technical interviewees fail. It's that important. There are essentially four parts to the introduction. Immediate preparation, entering the room, your greeting, and the introductory conversation. So let's get on with it. You said before that the the first part of the interview, like the first ten minutes, the introduction, yeah, was like the hardest part of the interview, or might be the the place that folks most frequently fail in terms of ultimately getting an offer. Is that yeah? True? It is. Um, what happens is is people so busy worried about the company. They start the the mistakes that people make in terms of thinking about interviews. Is the first thing they do is they think about the the the, the, the uh, questions they're going to put. No, no, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. They're thinking about the company. About well, what's the company like, and what you know, what is the company into, and what's the culture, and I'm going to try to be what the company wants me to be. They're not thinking about themselves. They're thinking about the company. So that's strike one. Hmm. And and then what that causes them to do is think about those. Oh, then the big questions. I got to get the big questions right. When in fact, they never get a chance to even show that kind of validity, that kind of intelligence in the interview, because by the time the introductory portion is over, they've already ruled themselves out. Oh, they get asked the questions, and they think they nail the questions. And because the introduction happens at the beginning, Mike, they've forgotten what happened in it. It's all a blur because you're so amped up in the first Mm -hmm. 10 minutes, and it seems like two minutes. Nobody can remember anything about it. They think they did fine on the middle part. The end comes, the recruiter is upbeat because they don't want everybody who leaves with a no to, to hate them. So the recruiter's good at ending on an upbeat note for the most part. And so they can't figure out how they was they got ruled out. They were ruled out before the thing ever started because they didn't do the introduction well. Never made the connection. Nope, never did. Like and you they, always you say, know, it's all about people, yeah. right? It's all it, about con- and people. And what's frustrating about it is it's not hard. But I'll tell you, I, uh, um, several people I know, many of our listeners have Googled me and, and seen the presentation on Kellogg. I'm going back up there January 9th of this next year, in fact, for a reprise of that. And um, I tell people, you could triple your energy level in the average interview, and I wouldn't think it was too much. I have people sit in front of me and act like they're, they say, I'm, I'm going to do my very best, Mark. I'm going to give you my top energy level, just blowing you out the door. <laughs> And I think I'm talking to a banana slug. Right, you fall asleep. I mean, it just, <laughs> yeah. I'm, b- boggles my mind. And then every once in a while, somebody says, somebody raises their hand in that presentation and says, Hi, Mark, I'm John Smith. I'm from Arkansas. I got a quick question for you. And the guy stands up and he's got tone in his voice. He's pleasant. He's smiling. He's raising his eyebrows. I'm like, 
I'll hire you. I don't care what your question is. You got five people before him who's like, uh, I had a question back on chart number nine. I didn't understand this. I'm like, gosh, I just don't want to be near this person, let alone go through an interview with him. And as recruiters, you know, I admit it. We have 20 interviews in a day. We're looking for reasons to say no. And if we can say no in the first five minutes, we can go on autopilot the rest of the interview, ask some questions, appear very interested, make you think we're really interested, and then say no because we had so many lovely candidates to see that. Yeah, day. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's that first five or ten minutes, the introduction, that nobody ever thinks about. Oh, it's just chit chat. I know what I need to know. Yeah, that's I know, and I'm not, I'm not a professional interviewer, but I but when I've interviewed folks for mm-hmm. positions, there have been times yeah, where, yeah, where yeah. three or four minutes oh, into it, you're the, the worst. The dude. last thirty five minutes are just inc- agony, agony, because yeah. I've already made up my you, mind. You've already, you are the worst. You're a guy who wants to make up your mind in the five minutes, and you go, I don't like this guy. Right? I mean, no, I don't want to. Well, I did. Well, that's my point. I mean, but well, there's a part of you that is striving to make a decision. And if you get enough data to make a decision in the negative, okay, good, easy enough. So right, right. you're a classic example of a type A corporate manager who, you know, look, I want good people. And you know what? You know, the first thing, you don't actually learn a person's a good person until 30 minutes into the interview in most cases. But you know when they're not in five. Right, right, right. right it's right. easier to say no than it is to say yes. For good positions, that's what you want. You want the bar to be high. So that's why interviews are long, but that yeah. doesn't mean that every interview right. takes twenty eight minutes. To and I'm decide. not just a total jerk. I don't have. The, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have the. You know, I'm not ready to. You know, yeah. five minutes in to say, well, yeah, it's, it's, sorry, you're fired. You know, yeah. So we waste another forty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> let, let, let's just save ourselves both a lot of time and hassle and just move along from here. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm. Um, it's a simple thing to do well. Now I admit this is a little bit more personality driven than most parts, and so. There are some people who will struggle with this. I still believe it boils down to behavior and practice. And you can practice this just like you can anything else. Hmm. So. so what do you do? Okay. Uh, four major parts to that introductory section. First is your preparation immediately before. We'll call it immediate prep. Okay. Then we got we to gotta worry about entering the room. We're going to learn how to enter a room. Okay. We're going to do a greeting. We're going to greet the recruiter. Uh, and then lastly, we're going to have introductory conversation, the chit-chat, the kind of, hey, how's it going today? What's the weather? We'll talk about there's some specific rules to prepare for that as well. So let's start with the immediate preparation, okay? Um, rule number one, check your appearance two to five minutes before the interview is supposed to start. Now, caveat here, if you're in an all-day interview with four or five different people going from room to room, okay, fine, you may only have a moment to just check your tie or check your skirt or whatever, that's fine. Okay, I'm not suggesting you have to have two to five minutes, and you shouldn't end your previous interview early just to give yourself two to five minutes. But if you have the time, you should two to five minutes before the interview at a place where you can either get to a bathroom or get to an alcove where you can tuck your shirt in or straighten a tie or retie your tie or whatever it is or adjust your makeup. Um, two to five minutes in advance, carry a handkerchief in your pocket. Um, if you think your palms are going to be sweaty, I know that when people interview in hotels, I tell them, take a washcloth from your room to the outside the interview door um, and then uh, wipe it, uh, you know, wipe the, the washcloth on your palm before you shake hands. Mm. If you don't have a washcloth, yes, it's okay to absolutely wipe your palm on your pants or on your skirt or your boss. That's fine. Um, and it is normal for your palms to sweat. It's not a bad thing. You just need to make sure you've got them as dry as you possibly can. Don't use talcum powder. Don't use some special sweat dry. There are products out there. Uh, I think one's actually called sweat dry. Um, They do work. If you really have very, very sweaty palms, those might work. But for the most part, just wiping your hands on a towel or handkerchief is probably fine. Um, 
Uh, yes, you've got to have a pen and note cards. You don't need, please don't take your briefcase. And you know, this is a good point to say, I, I really don't have time here. We don't have time in this podcast. We have a separate podcast to talk about how to, how to dress. Okay. Um, but but uh, so what I'm about to say is put your pen and note cards or a small notebook in your pocket. I don't have time to talk about which pocket and all that sort of stuff. But for the most part, you need to have something to write with and something to write on. For most most men, I recommend a, three, a set of three to five cards and a, and a pen. Uh, I don't recommend a purse for ladies um, going in interviews. Um, why, is it, why is that? Uh, it's just something else to mess with. There are some women who says, no, I've got to have my clutch. I've got to have this. I've got to have that. Quite frankly, you don't take your purse from meeting to meeting in corporate America if you're inside the building. Mm-hmm. Executives don't do that, right? You've seen that. Right. They don't do right. that. So this is a meeting. This is a business meeting. You don't take your purse from place to place. More importantly, I've seen too many stupid mistakes with purses. I've seen them not know where to put it, over their shoulder. It's falls the neck, over. Falls stuff falls over. out. Right. Yeah. It's just, and it's not a gender bias. I mean, if 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 a, if a gentleman was carrying a man purse, I'd say don't bring it. Um, so it's it's not a function of we don't want to see that you're a woman. It's a function of it's an extra accoutrement in the interview that is unnecessary and may be a distraction. I actually saw a woman put her purse right down on the interviewer's desk, and it was one of those big floppy bags. It's just you know, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> distracting. Okay. And- um, yeah, and she didn't even get into the uh, introduction yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, that's right. She ruled herself out even in the first 30 seconds. Um, uh, okay, so again, we're going to have a separate podcast for how you dress. So two to five minutes in advance, check your appearance, check your tie, check your blouse, check your, your jewelry if you have any and so on. Um, next, review your notes about the questions that you're going to ask. Okay, Again, we'll have a whole podcast on that, but you need to just take that three or five card, look at it real quick. What are the four or five questions? Get those questions fresh in your mind. You can forget about them for the next 20 minutes or 30 minutes until it comes time for that, but that refreshment will will serve you well when it comes time for you to ask your questions later on in the interview. Good point here. Remind yourself of the interviewer's name. Um, check your schedule or your list to see who you're interviewing with. Not critical if you forget it because you're about to introduce yourself to them and they're going to say their name, but just in case, if you can remember, so much the better. Um And the last thing you should be doing in the minute or two before is psyching yourself up. There is no one. I'm going to be bold here. My brother Walt used to tell me, be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid. I'm going to be bold here and say there is no one who is listening to this podcast now who psychs themselves up so much that I would think they have too much energy. Hmm. Okay, now that's pretty big. I mean, I don't know. Thousands of people are going to listen to this thing. I just tell you, I've never seen it. I've never, ever had to counsel somebody to slow down, or well, maybe slow down, but to tone, tone their energy. You got too down. much energy. Yeah. No, never said that. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, now, sometimes they tell a joke because they're just a little too hyped up, but they tell a joke wrong or something, but no, no. In fact, if I could draw a graph, I'd show you how, uh, if I could draw a graph on the podcast, I'd show you how people spike their energy in the first five minutes, and then it gradually subsides until the last 10 minutes, and then it spikes again, and what they remember is the spike at the beginning of the end, and what the recruiter remembers is that 30-minute slide down the hill. So, um, so how do you, just give me a, how do you, how do you psych yourself up? You're, you're nervous, you're not, you know, you're, you're, you might be a shy person, how do you psych yourself, you know? Well, you know, you know, stand I, up straight. You know, change your physiology. Yeah. You know, pump your fist. You know, all those things are good. You know, you got to ask yourself, what have you done for yourself before that helps psych yourself up? Maybe it's a, a picture of your daughter. Maybe it's a picture of your kid saying, "Wow, I'm going to do this for them," and I got a smile on my face. Something that makes you laugh. You know, I I, I tell myself some really funny jokes just because when I laugh, I tend to lose. 
all my nervous energy. I just have a big laugh. People have commented about it. And, and uh, when I tell myself a joke, I'm not really good at joke telling, but when I tell myself one and I get the timing right, I have a good laugh and I relax. And if I'm relaxed, I tend to be, I tend to be pretty effective. Um, uh, I, I'll tell you, I have a friend who goes bum ba ba because that's an important song for him. I know another guy who does the theme song from Monday Night Football. You all know, right, all right. Uh, that 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 is a class. It's, it's a cell phone ringer. It's uh, all right. So you if you're in a hotel, so if you're in a hotel room, just before you walk out of your hotel room, put your headphones on, blast the stereo, yeah. just get yourself yeah. pumped, and do not yeah. carry your iPod, even if it's a Nano or a Shuffle, in your coat pocket, no. and have your earbuds in and do a no, click. Okay, a I'm idea. ready, and <laughs> then have them open the door five minutes early and go oop, oop and then try to rip the earbuds out of your ear and suddenly <laughs> cause mm. you. Yeah, not yeah, so much. Not good. Okay. Not a good plan. Um, Whatever it is, the goal here, and you're going to hear this at the very end of the podcast, I'm going to say energy, energy, energy. That's the watchword for the first 10 minutes. Yeah, there's some things we need to do. We'll talk about what you need to do. I'm going to teach you how to shake hands. We're going to talk about how to greet other people and so on. But the, the theme, the watchword is energy, energy, energy. Okay? Um, so whatever it is you do to psych yourself up. For me, I tell myself a joke, and then I relax. And I'm naturally a pretty energetic person, I think most people in the audience. Me, myself, I... I tell myself a joke about you. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, whatever works, that's fine. Okay, so real quick, check your appearance two to five minutes in advance. Um, review your notes on your questions. You don't need to review your own answers to their questions. You're either you're prepared or you're not prepared. Um, remind yourself of the interviewer's name and then psych yourself up. Something, whatever it is. Monday Night Football, um, you know, your college fight song, Go Blue, whatever, you know. Uh, what's the SoCal Trojans? What's their fight song? Um you know, whatever it is, yeah, hook them horns, whatever. The eyes of Texas are upon you, whatever works. Um, but psych yourself up. You should be fever pitch, using that term loosely, fever pitch when the recruiter opens the door to your knock. Okay? Okay. All right. So that's prep right beforehand. Now, you've got to enter the room. Now, I'm going to actually talk about this in two parts. One is knocking on the door and then two, walking into the room Really, what I mean is that you're going to knock and the door's going to be open. And then we're really going to, the next thing that happens is the greeting. You know, if, you, if I was interviewing with you, you'd open the door and I'd say, Hi, Mike, Mark Horseman, nice to meet you. So the two parts of enter the room, knocking on the door and walking with energy, are actually going to be split by the greeting itself. But we're going to put them together to talk about it here because they're both physical acts, knocking on the door and walking with energy. So first, knocking on the door. You'd be surprised, Mike, how many people do this poorly. Now, suppose I told you I have a way of recommending people knock on the door, and I told you most people do it wrong. What would you assume would be the wrong way? When people knock on a door to go to an interview, how is it that they do it wrong? Well, given what you just said, high energies, yep. that, probably the biggest mistake would be, a light tap or a, a little, right. just a meek, mild little... Right. You hit it on the head. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Now, you, how many interviews have you conducted when you were... Oh, a couple hundred. Okay. Did you ever have somebody knock on the door kind of light? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And did you not draw a conclusion immediately? Well, yeah, when I was, when I was looking to, to, to lead a <laughs> right. pretty large portion of my organization, it wasn't a real good... Well, I don't know, me, my... I don't know. Yeah, yeah didn't don't work. want to interrupt, but gee, it is my time, or gee... The uh, whole confidence thing seemed to be... Uh, you're reminiscent. not even a professional interviewer. You're not a professional recruiter. And you drew a conclusion before you even saw them. Uh, to me, it's like, okay... The the the, the, uh, the evaluation started, <laughs> okay. The test has started. You picked up your pen. The time is the clock is ticking. People think that the interview doesn't start until after the chit chat is over. What are you nuts? We paid fifty, sixty, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars for this job. We're going to look at every darn thing in the world. The, the the fact is, we've already done a show about it about resumes, right? 
we started the evaluation in the resume section. We we ruled out 200 resumes to get down to the five, and we've rank ordered the five. You're already number four. You better not knock like you don't mean it. Right, so right. it's amazing. People think, well, knocking, they're not going to evaluate that. We look at everything. We don't like the color of your shoes. We're going to say no. Hmm. I mean, that really is. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but recruiters are often accused of being cynical because we just look for reasons to say no. And I, I, I've learned not to apologize for that because it works. Because people learn to, to set the bar high. And that's part of the reason why we do these casts. Well, the great thing about it is people listen to these podcasts and then they follow this advice. They're going to do really, really It well. is a huge competitive advantage. It's not rocket science. You don't have to. It, it's not hard to understand. Well, I'm sure everybody's listening going, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. And they can do every single one of these things. And, of course, that's the whole point of manager tools. This is all believable, doable behavior. Simple as that. Okay, first thing, knock on the door. Um, you may not have to knock. I mean, it may be a cubicle situation or whatever, but if you are in a knocking situation, knock like you mean it. Like that. Firm, three wraps, let them know. The scary thing is, if you're in a hotel situation or you know other people are interviewing that day, it's very possible if the door is closed or if it's only slightly ajar, do you know what your knock is actually doing for the recruiter? Helping him get out of the next yeah, one. Yeah, it's out of ending the, last the one. previous interview. If he's really into it with candidate A and you're candidate B, do you know what you're doing? It's my turn. You're saying, hey, look at me, which is not such a bad thing. Humility is great. We all want to be humble. And yet there are times when you have to announce yourself. Right. Okay? Um, by the same token, that recruiter may be so into it with candidate A, they may need something to break their reverie. And if, if they're having a good conversation with A and they don't want to end it and you don't knock very strong and they take 10 of your minutes and give them to A and then the person after you knocks forcefully, you've lost 10 minutes of your interview time. That's really the only competitive advantage you've got in terms of an interview is the time you've got with them. You can't throw it away. You've got to knock firmly, sharply. It's that simple. Um, what's funny about that, too, is that a lot of people, um, I, I've seen them do it, they knock. They knock real quiet, and then a minute later, they knock real quiet again. I've watched them do five minutes of interview of knocking each minute, exact same knock. I said, you know, <laughs> what's insanity, right? Doing the same thing over again, expecting different results. I mean, heck, call them on the phone. <laughs> do, something. <laughs> do something. Get the maid to open the door. Gee whiz. Um, they've got to believe that you want it, that you're a little bit hungry. This whole nonchalant, I really don't need this job. It's okay to not need the job, but in order to get the job, you're going to have to prove that you want the job. Because there's somebody, I'd rather hire the person who's a little bit hungry and doesn't have the skills that you have, who's willing to be there at midnight with the same smile on his face that he was at 8 o'clock in the morning. And knocking on the door makes a difference. Um, do not go lightly with your knocking, okay? Um, I'm done talking about knocking. Second thing, walking with energy. I'll never forget this, Mike. It's probably happened 30 or 40 times in my life as an interviewer. I open the door, and we do a brief introduction. Okay, And the candidate walks past me, right? Because we're in a narrow kind of hallway in a hotel. So now the candidate, there's the door, and then there's me, and then there's the candidate, and then 10 feet from the candidate is my desk. And of course, just the way interview rooms are set up, as you might imagine, he's got less of a distance to walk than me. He's only got to go to a chair eight feet away. I've got to walk around him and around the desk to get to my chair. I close the door, he's standing there, we both start walking to the desk, and before he sits down in his chair, which was eight feet away from him, I've passed him, passed the desk, sat down in my chair, picked up my writing utensil and my notes, and he has still not sat down, and I'm in my chair. I mean, 
I just walk twice as far in half the time. How is that possible? Am I the only one that's supposed to have energy here? When you, after you've shaken hands, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, you should, and I say, please have a seat. You should move over and sit down. Now, it's okay to move over and be standing there and, and, and waiting for me, but really that's an unnecessary formality. When we tell you to have a seat, male, female, we're not talking about gender bias or anything else, go on over, sit down, cross your legs, get comfortable. I may go over to the to the mini bar and grab a Coke and say, hey, you want a Coke? You want a water? And by the way, it's absolutely, it would be absolutely appropriate if you're thirsty to say, sure, I'd love a Coke or I'd love a cup of coffee. It's fine. Now, if you're nervous and you're not sure how you're going to handle it, that's fine. Just say, no, I'm doing fine. But I'll tell you, a lot of people realize halfway through an interview, they're really, their mouth's pretty dry. Um, so I, I never turn it down. I always say, yes, happy to. I'd mm. love to have it. And if I get to sip on it, great. And that'll give me a chance to kind of relax myself. Um, so, come on, show us some energy. Move, move with a purpose. Go. Um, uh, in fact, point to say, you want me here? And the recruiter says, yeah, that'd be great. And then just move with a purpose. Just go right and do there. it. Yeah. And then, again, have a seat. No, no, no formalities are necessary. Again, knocking on the door, walking, both. Energy, energy, energy. Okay. Yeah, there's a theme here, aren't there? Yeah. We're going to go over there. They're going to be so... In fact, there are people are going to call this the energy the, podcast. The energy it's podcast. Like, it's Mark on crack. <laughs> um or mark on steroids. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, okay, so now let's talk about the greeting, okay? So that's after we've knocked, before we're walking to it. We don't want to walk right past the recruiter and say, where do you want me? Horseman says, I have to sit down really fast. I had somebody tell me that once. Mark, I forgot to shake his hand. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. Okay, so you're going to shake hands and introduce yourself, okay? Now, I have been paid consulting firm, uh, consulting client dollars to teach executives how to shake hands and i can do it for our audience in just a couple of minutes it is so easy yeah, the first time the first time you shared this this with me i thought you were absolutely joking yeah <laughs> so you got you, you kid me right yeah <laughs> no no i'm not mike your handshake is really bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> well and then and then didn't i do it with with uh with Andrew, with your son. Yeah, you did. Yeah. did. And then he got good really fast. Of course, he's a black belt, and uh, and he responded very well. Uh, now he's got a great handshake. Uh, and, and I admit freely, I consider I'm probably a little bit out there on the margin when it comes to handshakes. I Handshake to me, Mike, is the American business greeting. In Europe, it might be a kiss on the cheek. It might be a hug or something like that. But in America, it's a handshake. We shake hand- I might shake hands with my boss three or four times in a day you know, if I'm working on a consulting site. Not unusual. Start the meeting, end the meeting, say goodbye to him at the end of the day, whatever the case might be. Um, you're going to do it a lot. It makes a difference. Your handshake is part of your character, your interpersonal character when you're in the business world. So it makes sense to do it well, to know how to do it. And most people don't know how to do it. As a meeting, I had a vendor come in today into mm-hmm. the restaurant for those who don't know me I, I own several restaurants mm-hmm. um, and he, he came up and he shook my hand and it was it was a good handshake it was good and I remembered it yeah I remembered it yeah yeah yeah. It, it gives you a sense you don't even I'm not even sure we put words around the sense it's just I feel good about this guy I don't yeah. know exactly what okay um, so when you shake hands it's much easier to do well than most people think but most people really are terrible at it um and probably partially the reason they're terrible at it is they don't know exactly what to do. And if somebody told them, okay, I'll do it that way. Well, this is the way to do it. Here's how you do it. First, step forward with your left foot. Okay? Uh, it, it's, it's much easier to do this with visual aids. And maybe we can figure out a way. What do you think? We'll figure out a way to videotape something like this and put it on the web so people can, can watch it. Sure, okay, yeah, we can figure we'll, that out. We'll, we'll figure it out. We're not promising anything in the near term, but we'll figure out a way to do it. You step forward with your left foot. And the reason for doing that is you want to be able to pivot your body a little bit at the waist 
so that you're, it, it's a bit like throwing a punch with your right hand since we shake with our right hands. Um, if you watch fighters, they, they not only throw their right hand, their, the, their dominant hand, if you will, um, they not only throw it with their arm, they throw it with their body. Their whole shoulders are, are moving. It's like hitting a baseball. Really? Right? They're turning their upper body. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing you do is when you step forward with your left foot, you keep your right elbow kind of close to your body. You don't want it sitting out there like a chicken wing, way out to the side. The more you push it out to the side, the harder it is to show energy. And remember, this this cast is all about showing energy. So you're going to keep it close to your side. Now, your, your hand is going to move away from your body as you reach out to, to grab the other mm-hmm. person. But you don't want your arm fully extended. That's part of the reason you're stepping forward with your left foot. You want to get kind of close to them, lean forward a little bit, so that when you grab their hand, your arm is not fully extended. Mm-hmm. So you still have some leverage. Okay, and if your elbow is bent, you have a little bit more leverage, and you keep that elbow again close to your close to your side. You don't you don't lock it to your to your waist. You can you can stick your hand out, but you just don't want it flapping eight inches, twelve inches off to the side of you. Okay, so you've stepped forward, um, and you're keeping your right elbow close to your body. Here's the thing that people miss. This is a real competitive advantage after you step forward and keep your elbow close. The webbing between your thumb and forefinger, Michael, if you will think about sinking that webbing into the webbing of their hand, if that's what you look for, look for the webbing between their thumb and forefinger, focus on that and sink your webbing into that. That's the start of the power handshake, okay? And then you got to grip them firmly. It's not a crusher grip. It's not a weightlifter grip. It's not a Russian steroidal hammer thrower grip. It is a firm grip. Ladies, it's a firm grip for you too. Gentlemen, gripping a lady's hand in a handshake is a firm grip. There is no difference in a male or female handshake in the mm. professional business world. Whereas the business world is not about gender. It's about business. Business is about correctness. It's about firmness. It's about professionalism. And that means everybody gets the same handshake, no matter what. Um, I'm amazed at the number of guys who say, wow, she really had a strong handshake. And it occurs to me, they went limp-wristed into that handshake with her because she was a lady. This is not about gender politics. Okay, Ladies get to, you, you used to get to shake hands with gloves on while they were sitting down, something gentlemen couldn't do because they were the fairer sex. That's not true anymore. This is a business environment, and men and women are equal. Uh, in fact, there are many women who outrank you and I tenfold, um, yeah. as well they should because they're more effective than us, and that's a great thing. No matter, male or female, find the webbing between your thumb and forefinger and stick that in the web and the, the web of their thumb and forefinger. Um, one or two pumps up and down once, twice, and then let go. That's all you need. Now, some people say, oh, gosh, Mark, what do I do if I let go, but he hasn't let go yet? Continue to let go, and they'll figure it out. Okay, don't regrip and then have them let go and then regrip and go back and forth. One or two, boom, boom. Let go. That could be a little awkward. <laughs> yeah, it's happened. I've watched people go. Ah, we're, we're you know we're glued at the at the hand. Um, pretty simple, really. Okay. Um, you you step forward with your left. Keep your elbow close. Pivot your body a little bit so you keep your 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 hand kind of close to your body, but you can extend it out. Think sink the webbing in there. Grip them pretty firmly. Not the fingers, but the whole hand. One two pumps and then let go. And if you can do that while looking them in the eye, that's a great handshake. It's a perfect handshake, okay? Now, you're going to make eye contact. Now, when I say make eye contact, Mike, and sometimes people worry, I worry that people say, oh, we're supposed to stare. Actually, when you get past about 65 70% eye contact in a conversation, people think it's too much. Mm. So if you're looking away about half the time, you're fine. 
you just don't want to be looking away all the time when you're talking and only look at them when they're talking. That's, that's disconcerting for people. Um, but nevertheless, during the greeting, while you're shaking hands and while you're introducing yourself, make eye contact. Um, something else. What do you figure is the single most powerful facial expression you can use to show energy when you're first meeting somebody, Mike? Ah, it's got to be a smile. Yep, right. it is. Absolutely. We, when you test psychologically, people love being smiled at, and it makes them feel that you have a lot of energy. Uh, although it helps to have smile with your teeth showing. Seriously. I mean, a little a half smile is mm. probably not good. There, there are timid smiles that wouldn't work. So we want, a, we want a big smile, a happy smile, if you will, a birthday kind of happy smile. But here's a, here's a kicker that most people miss. What's the second most powerful facial expression you can have on your face to express energy and enthusiasm uh, and openness in the first minute or two that you meet somebody? Mm, nodding your head. No. Nope. It's raising your eyebrows. Now, why is that? Why do you think that is that a human being, and believe it or not, this is actually an autonomic response. If you smile and raise your eyebrows at me, or if you just raise your eyebrows at me, I perceive you to be, have more energy, be more open, and be more trustworthy between you. There's more trust between you and I. Why is that? What I don't do you know. Think? I, it's fascinating. Well, let's look at it this way. Why do your eyebrows exist? Why do you think you have eyebrows at all? I mean, they're there for a reason. Other than to be plucked, no. Mike doesn't pluck his eyebrows. <laughs> I have no. I've never thought about it. Frankly. To guard your eyes, right? I mean, blood. Right, okay. That's why we have hair to guard our eyes to, to to heat our head to keep our head from freezing in the in the winter time. Yeah, your eyebrows are there to guard your eyes to keep dirt and dust out of your eyes. Same thing with your eyelids or your I eyelashes. See, I see. Thing. I see where you're going. With okay. This. So kind of, like the, kind of like the knights uh, raising their their Bingo. visor. That's right? exactly that's exactly right. You are you are at the same time. It also related to the issue of what happens if you're scared all of a sudden. If you're frightened, what do you do? You throw your eyes open. Why does your body throw your eyes open when you're scared? Gathering light, gathering information. You want to get as much. You're a human being is a visual. We're visual creatures. You raise your eyebrows to say two things. I want to know more about you, and I'm prepared to lower my defenses to learn about it. Hmm. Human being actually has a specific autonomic response to another human being within a certain distance of them raising their eyebrows toward them. I'm not talking about a lascivious eyebrow raising. I'm just talking about the kind of eyebrow raising you do when you're having a really animated, energetic conversation with friends over a beer, for instance. Right. Like you're doing right now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which I can't stop doing. <laughs> Some people think I, my eyebrows are on strings. Um, but nobody doubts that I have a lot of energy. I, you know, I would be happy to spend a half an hour learning about a job, knowing nothing about the technical stuff, have any random person not knowing me and any one of our podcast listeners, I'll interview and then they'll interview and we'll see who does better. I don't know anything about the technology stuff, but the recruiter will love me because I know how to smile. I know how to shake hands. I know everything I need to know about what's going on in the world. I know how to answer questions. And, I and know, you got great eyebrows. And I know how to raise my eyebrows. Oh, I'm kidding. But you know what? We got to share this with people because it's a competitive advantage. Now, look, we don't want you to be artificial and go, okay, now it's time to raise my eyebrows. Like that, right? Uh, we don't want that. But, but it wouldn't hurt to practice a little bit. And, and believe me, if you were around me and you want feedback about your eyebrows, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how often you smile and how often you raise your eyebrows because I pay attention to it. And it's a competitive advantage, so you might as well get used to it. Yeah, even if you think it's silly, the question is, are you willing to yeah. perhaps do something that might seem silly to you yeah. that would get you the job? Exactly. Or increase there your you chance go. of getting there. the job? I guess you really yeah, don't want the job that much, so yeah. it's okay. Um, all right, so you're going to raise your eyebrows. Now, uh, and you're going to make eye contact, and you're going to shake hands. We learn how to shake hands. Let's talk about how to introduce yourself. 
If you know their name, it's real easy. You use it. Hi, Bob. I'm Mark Horseman. Nice to meet you. Somebody said to me once, well, wait, what are they, aren't they going to introduce themselves to me? Well, they really don't have to because you already know their name and they know your name. Now, they may have forgotten your name. That's not a big deal. Um, if you don't know their name, you say, hi, I'm Mark Horseman. Nice to meet you. Okay. Um, I prefer the former of saying, hi, Mark Horseman. And the reason why is if I say, hi, Mark Horseman, it's nice to meet you. I find I'm talking over people when I'm saying it's nice to meet you and I, I don't get hmm. their name necessarily. And if I just say my name, they don't end up saying nice to meet you without saying their name. They will respond with their name. I'll say, hi, Mark Horseman. They'll say, hi, Bob Davis. Nice to meet you, Bob. Nice to meet you, Mark. Come on in. Thanks. So if I don't know anything, it's, hi, I'm Mark Horseman. If I know their name, hi, Bob, or hi, Mike, Mark Horseman. Nice to meet you. Hi, Mark. How's it going? da 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 Okay? Get their name. If they don't say it, say, I'm sorry, I didn't get your name. Now, some recruiters will say, well, isn't it on the sheet? Uh, you know, it is, and I just didn't want to pull it, and pull it out of my, my coat and look real quick. I'm sorry, I didn't get your name. Okay? Now, they may play a little game with you, and the whole point of the game is to see whether or not you'll crack. Don't crack. Have fun just with say, it. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't get your name. And just kind of shrug your shoulders and let it go. Um, and corporate America is a, is a, is a first-name place. Even if you're interviewing with Jack Welch, it would not be Mr. Welch. Now, okay, if you interview with the President of the United States, please call him Mr. President. Okay? If you're interviewing with a senator, it's okay to call him or her senator. Um, But everybody else, first name basis, period. I'll never forget the CEO of a huge insurance company. He he was going around. um, They were getting ready for him to come into an area of the business, and they were briefing everybody about his tour coming up in a set of cubicles. And the the, the managers, the vice presidents, were getting all the managers and employees together and saying, now, look, he'll say he wants to be called Bob, but he really doesn't mean it. You should call him Mr. Smith. And the CEO said to me later, what is that? I really like being called Bob. I'm a regular guy. I remember him telling me once, or didn't tell me, I heard, heard this secondhand. He says, you know what my favorite time of the day is? Same as yours, going home. I have a family, you know? I don't love it that much. Uh, I just happen to be in this particular role. Yeah, he, he, their first name. Everybody in corporate America is on a first name. Don't think you're making points by being deferential and calling him Mr. Smith or Mrs. Jones. It'll make them feel weird. Mm. And weird doesn't work in interviews. And again, what's about the greeting? Energy, energy, energy. Raise your eyebrows. Smile. First name. Speak with some enthusiasm. Have some fun. Relax. Okay? All right. So, we've done the preparation before. We've entered the room. We've knocked and, and walked with energy. We've greeted them. We know how to shake hands. We know how to introduce ourselves and get their name and use their name during the interview. By the way, in terms of using names in an interview, generally, I recommend three, use their name three times in a 30-minute interview, maybe four times, just as fine to do three times in a 45-minute interview. And the way I'd recommend that is at the beginning, at the end, and one time during the interview. Mm. If it's an hour interview, I would go with four times. I'm not asking you to keep a little clicker in your hand and click them off, but you don't need 10 in a 30-minute interview. And if you only use it once in the beginning, they're going to think you forgot it by the end. Minimum of two, beginning and end. Maximum of four in an hour-long interview. Mm. Okay? All right. Introductory conversation. Um this is hugely important, and so few people are prepared that it's an easy one that you can, again, our, our listeners can get a competitive advantage on. Um, 
we're going to give you some guidelines about content in terms of what you need to know and how you need to be prepared to talk about it. But again, the most important aspect of this portion of the interview is energy, enthusiasm, and a friendly and engaging demeanor. Okay. Um, first of all, you need to know current news, the national news. Um, you'll be expected to talk about it. Um, politics, international news, sports, disasters worldwide. You know, a good example about disasters, um, you know, uh, Hurricane Katrina. Um, you should know about Hurricane Katrina a couple of months afterwards. It wasn't just in the news for a day. There are people still being affected by it. If you don't read the national news in a major newspaper, whether it's the New York Times or the Charlotte Tribune or Herald or whatever, um, or the San Francisco Chronicle, um, you need to read past page one. You don't need to read every article, but you need to know what's going on mm. in the world. This will surprise a lot of people, I think. Um, I've heard you know, people tell you before, like, well, you know, I don't, I don't read the daily newspaper. I'm, I'm focused on doing my job. Yeah. Is that a positive? <laughs> no, it's really not. Um, first of all, because you're probably interviewing with somebody who's pretty, they don't let people, just anybody interview in corporate America. These people tend to be either executives or future executives. Executives know that their, their corporation exists within a larger structure about, about the economy and politics, the macro economy, the global economy. You know, if our listeners are not reading the world is flat, um, by, by Tom Friedman. If they haven't read it yet, they need to go out and get it and read it. It's a fabulous book. It talks about the flattening of the world because of geopolitical and economic forces and technological forces. Um, and that kind of focus is seen as myopic if all you do is focus on your industry. Your industry exists within a larger context. And quite frankly, normal conversation is not about your industry or about your specific mm. technical skill. It's about what's happening in the papers. If you're going to meet somebody at a bar for drinks afterwards, if there's 20 people who work at your company going out for chips and a beer afterwards or coffee one evening, they're not going to talk about your industry or your specialty. They're going to talk about what's common. What's common? What's on the news. Hmm. That's what professional managers and executives think about. They also think about their industry. They also think about their specialty. Don't get me wrong. But when you're first talking with someone, when you're first having a conversation, you're not going to talk about open source standards. You're not going to be talking about Linux. You're not going to be talking about Red Hat. You're going to be talking about, you know, the president. You're going to be talking about the budget. You're going to be talking about the World Series. You're going to be talking about the football season or fantasy football or something like that. Spring training. Okay. Um, you need to know current business news, particularly your industry. You do need to know that. Um, it's real easy. Read the Wall Street Journal. That's an easy one. We talked about that in our special podcast for uh, subscribers. Um, you need to read the Wall Street Journal regularly. You should also know, know the local news. If you're interviewing in Atlanta, you need to read the AJC, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You need to know what's going on down there. Uh, you need to know who the mayor is. If you've flown in the night before, you need to read up on a little bit on local politics. You don't need to read every single article, but you need to read past the first page. Um, uh, you also need to know your specialties news, what's going on. If you're an open source person, then yeah, absolutely, you should be paying attention to what's going on open source. I think blogs uh, and RSS feeds are a great way to keep current on this. That If you know you're going to have a high-speed connection, you don't have time to go get a newspaper the night before, fine. Um, uh, do your blog reads, um, pick up on what's going on. Make sure that your blog reads aren't so narrowly focused that you're not going to get that good broad, that you are going to get that good spread, broad spread that you need. Um and then you're going to have to have a conversation about all that stuff mishmashed in together. And then there might be a curveball about dry cleaning from the hotel. The recruiter may say, well, actually, to tell you the truth, I'm really ticked off. My dry cleaning came back. It's got spots on it. Blah, 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 blah. And then there's a pause. You're expected to talk about dry cleaning in a hotel. Okay? You need to know how to do that. Uh, I have a hint. 
Now, conversation is, we could have a whole hour-long discussion about conversation, but I have a suggestion about what makes for good conversation. Good conversationalists answer the question that's put to them, or, or they address the issue that is the end of the comment that the previous person made. They comment perhaps a little further, and then they ask a question in return. If It's not a conversation if you ask me a question and I give you an answer, and then you ask me another question and then I give you an answer. You know what that is? It's an interview. interview. (laughs) You don't want that. They're trying to warm you up. They're trying to relax you. So they ask you a question or make a comment. Then you comment further, and then you ask them a question back. And they comment on that, and then they ask you a question back. That's what good conversationalists Mm. do. Okay? For instance... um, I'm a Dodgers fan, so I, gum- I grumbled through the series. I wanted to see them there, and they weren't there. But speaking of which, I was surprised that the sh- Chicago swept Houston. What do you think about Roger Clemens coming back next year in light of his hamstring? There, it's back on him. I happen to be right. a baseball fan, and I am a Dodger fan. Um, and I think Roger Clemens is a great pitcher. I'm not a big fan of his particularly. Um, but that's conversation. Answer the question, accept the question, make a comment, take the comment in a little bit different direction, and then ask a question back that allow, that gives the ball back to them so they can throw that medicine ball back to you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great point. And yeah. Understanding the distinction between the introduction, the conversation, and then the interview. And there there's a difference. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and what that does is it makes the recruiter feel comfortable. Oh, I was just chatting with her. And then at one point they'll say, well, you know what? I got to interview you here. They won't say that if they keep asking you questions and you can give them short one-word answers. They're going to say, well, the interview's already started. And then they'll just start moving right into questions. And you'll wonder where it stopped. And then you'll forget whatever happened in the introduction. And you'll wonder why you didn't get an offer. And it was because you didn't have energy, energy, energy in the first part of the interview. That's it. Cool. Great stuff. Thanks, man. Well, that's it for this month's Members Only Cast. We hope you learned something valuable today. And even more... We hope you apply it in your next interview. It will make a difference. If you do have a moment, Mark and I would appreciate your vote over at Podcast Alley. We made it simple for you, and there's a simple link on the website to do so. Your vote helps us reach a broader audience, and we truly appreciate you taking the time to vote. So, thanks again, and until next time, so long. So long.